Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I invite you to take a seat if there are any left. We're going to get underway. Hi, everybody. How's everybody feeling? Pretty good? Pretty great. All right. Well, my name is Matthew Ebertson. I'm founder of Ronin, a curation and creative management company dedicated to connecting artists, brands, and communities through content and live experiences like tonight's programming. I'd like to welcome you to New York Cannabis Summit Presents Entertainment Media and the Future of Cannabis Wellness. Our mission this evening is to discuss the media and entertainment industry's role in supporting the narrative of professionalism, entrepreneurship, and health and wellness in the hemp and cannabis industries. We want to uh, orchestrate the continued transition for legal cannabis operators, their investors, professionals, and artists into mainstream culture. Uh, and I'm joined by an incredible group of panelists with me this evening. I'd like to begin with allowing them each to introduce themselves, starting with my lovely co-host for tonight's programming, Lola. Hello. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm Lola Lengusta. I'm one of the founders of Stone Fox. We are a media company unapologetically fusing cannabis with fashion, lifestyle, and culture. Hi. Hello. Oh, there we go. Yeah. My name is Imran Hafiz. I am a strategist at Virtue, which is Vice's creative services agency. Um, and I mostly work on brand strategy for bigger brands, but I'm very interested about some of what I'm seeing in the cannabis space. And I've got a background in cannabis and technology journalism advice for Weedikit and Motherboard um, at Vice. <laughs> I'm uh, Will Clyden, and I am the founder of Ojai Energetics. It's a uh, cannabis technology company. We're a benefit corporation, and we work on delivery systems like water-soluble uh, technology to supercapacitor batteries. Hello. Good evening. Uh, my name is Christina Bucola, and I'm an attorney and an advocate in the industrial hemp and cannabis space. Um, about half of my practice is dedicated to helping a variety of people in the business make smart business decisions, and then the other part is dedicated to economic justice and making sure that the legislation we pass is, in fact, the legislation we should be passing. I am TK Wonder. I am an artist, uh, rapper, writer. Uh, I have a twin sister who's here somewhere. Uh, we work a lot together in fashion. We're with IMG, and uh, I am new to the supporting the cannabis, but I'm very vocal and advocating for legalization of marijuana. So I am green, no pun intended, to the side of it, but uh, I'm excited to be here. And you prepared a piece. We'd be so grateful if you share that with us now. Sure. When's the last time you heard someone killing because of the munchies? Assault weapons are legal. How backwards at times is this country? Marijuana misdemeanor still not expunged, and we have more rights and less meaner to extremists with guns. People of color in jail for less than an ounce of cannabis. Meanwhile, weed legal in some states converse these white panelists at conventions and talks. Don't hear too many balk on why those locked up for what's legal still do not walk. People got records for what is now legal, no, not right. 
prison system, big business profiting off those who are not white even when they paid the price. I'm tired of seeing people of color be sentenced for their race and not just their vice. Bush did cocaine and yeah, there's evidence what you can get away with when white and rich look at the current president. Shit, not my president, fuck his wall. Praises misogynist, but not that man from the Waffle House, James Shaw. Condone supremacists with tiki torches. I'm black, I'm a woman. How could I ever, ever, ever support his choices? And I don't expect concessions from Jeff Sessions. The man thinks people who smoke weed are evil. How backwards is that confession? So we're all supposed to think that Rihanna and Willie Nelson are evil because smoke at their leisure. Some people give their kids cannabis because it's the only thing, the only thing that stops their kids' seizures. You have people in remission talk about how cannabis mitigates the pain of their condition. And here's old heartless Jeff talking about his derision. Look how politicians act, ignore World War III, possibility assault rifles and murder sprees, alienating everybody overseas. The minor drug offense go hard like Minor drug offense go hard like caught with herbal weed. However, want to call it big business line in these pockets. Government made it legal, finally figured out how it can make a profit. Shit, not a profit. You can see this coming a mile away. And justice of it all, fuck it. I'm going to go smoke a J. Thank you, TK. Now, she illustrates much of the gravitas behind the plant and issues concerning that we need to address and correct in this country. And if anything, if any of our messaging is going to be effective, then the communication has to cut through. Uh, and we've seen more and more movie studios and networks and media outlets getting behind cannabis content. Um, we have uh, Chuck Lowry from Famous Big Bang uh, Theory is producing Disjointed on Netflix. Showtime had weeds, CNN had high profits, HBO has high maintenance. The list of scripted and both non-scripted uh, content goes on. Uh, Imran, if I could ask you about your experience working with the Students for Sensible Drug Policy and how that experience led to you being a fundamental part of, of Weedicate. Yeah, well, I, Krishna Andavola, the host of Weedicate, was supposed to come with me tonight, so Is apologies he here? for not making it. No, no, he, he oh. had a family issue to, to, to deal with, but I basically got a, he would corroborate this, but I basically got a job by smoking weed. Um, <laughs> And you know, I come from a very South Asian family, and I think it helped that a few of the other people that I was looking up to in this world had similar challenges to deal with. Um, I went to like a quote-unquote good school. You know, my, my parents like it was all about just getting into a really good school. And when I got there, I actually I almost didn't get a chance to go because I got I was in a car with somebody, and and uh, that person had cannabis on them, and we were stopped with by the police and I caught a charge sheet. And I don't know if you guys know this, but that is the single thing that you could get no scholarships for uh, if you have a drug charge. You could be convicted of rape or murder and still be eligible for Pell Grants, but you can't go to college, um, or at least not have the government contribute toward, towards it. So that was a huge wake-up call. And I won a scholarship and used it to pay a lawyer and got out of dealing with that. And you know, thankfully, I. My story didn't end there, but for many people it did, and it's worth remembering. Um, but when I got to school, I was very invested in bringing an economic and uh, you know, public policy perspective on the drug war and trying to understand how we can frame these conversations in a way that a rotary club could wrap their heads around. 
Um, my biggest issue with the legalization mo movement or the drug policy world as I had seen it was it wasn't uh, shifting itself to fit the narratives that would be effective as opposed to kind of doing what felt free. And ideally we'd live in a world where all of that is possible, but for me, trying to find those really analytical case studies, like the most interesting places to think about and talk about how drug policy interacts with our society, um, you know, speaking to ex-DEA agents and bringing them to school, uh, speaking, I mean, there's a wonderful organization called LEAP, which is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is former cops and, you know, people in the law enforcement industry speaking out. It's like, these are the arguments that I was interested in, in promoting. And at the same time, I was interested in working in public policy. And I happened to be reading Weedicate, which was a column on Vice, long before it was a show or a, you know, even a video documentary series. And there was an article about how the author, who wrote under a pseudonym, couldn't find weed on tour when his punk band went on tour. And I did some cyber sleuthing and figured out who I thought he was on Facebook. And I reached out and I said, hey, man, like, if you need to find weed and, and you're on tour in North Carolina, come find me. You know, you can sleep on my couch and I'll find you a show. And, you know, also, are you looking for an intern? And to my complete surprise, the next day, I get a call from Abdullah Saeed, who is uh, the founder of the Weedikit brand and also the host of uh, Bong Appetit on Vice. And at the time, he was writing the Weedikit column, and he was amazed that I had found him. And he said, yes, you can be my intern. Um, but you know, you know how to you know that we smoke weed, right? And I was like, yes, you're talking to the best joint roller at Duke University. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I had all of this research and this passion behind the legalization project that was driven from, you know, trying to understand the economic basis for what was going on. And the fact that uh, we've spent exponentially more on fighting a drug war, and yet drugs have only become cheaper, more plentiful, pure, and more available. So, you know, what exactly are we doing? I think. You know, looking, one of the reasons I'm really passionate about working at Vice is I feel like there's more of a, uh, uh, there's less of a reason to be concerned about what the other media companies are talking about and saying, like, let's take a step back. You know, maybe this drug war thing is a bit of a boondoggle and a bad policy choice. And so that, you know, I had an internship with Abdullah and his bandmate, Bossim, who was working on something that Vice was doing with HBO, which turned out to be an Emmy Award winning sending Dennis Rodman to North Korea, you know, vice show. And uh, every day we'd smoke weed in my Airbnb that was next to vice. And sometimes you call the NSA, you know? <laughs> and it was just this amazing synthesis of all of the things that I love, this like punk rock attitude, this analytical thinking about the world, this critical thinking and applying some of these uh, arguments that were designed not to make us feel good, but to be really effective in changing people's minds and hearts and uh, speaking to the other uh, and, and not resenting them quite so much. And I, I've tried to basically do that throughout my career, so I've, I consider myself the luckiest guy I've ever met. It's, it, uh, it certainly is a, a war against hearts and minds, and in the, in the grand scope of things, I want to lean to Christina. Um, your vast experience in both hemp and cannabis uh, and also as serving for uh, general counsel for High Times for a number of years. In the course of your career, what has been some of the most standout successful campaigns and or messaging that come to mind? 
in no small part right now at, at this moment. Um, I think we're at a critical point where the politics behind cannabis matter. And if I, if I may, just if we look at cannabis and industrial hemp from a legislative standpoint, which is really boring, I'll try to make this short and interesting, and we just zoom out at 30,000 feet, what we see is that most of the legislation that's being uh, forwarded at our federal level deals with either states' rights or some other kind of economic right, an economic right to treat a cannabis business so that it doesn't have the hardship of 280E, which is the section of the tax code that wreaks havoc on most cannabis businesses, or that, they, that cannabis businesses can uh, access banking. That's a problem for me because I think cannabis legalization, first and foremost, is a civil rights issue. And we need to look at what has been done to communities over 80 years of prohibition. That is based on utter bullshit, if I can just say that. So we need to not stop taking this from a position of economics, economics, economics. Economics will come, but first and foremost, we need to start thinking about this as how do we make sure that we build a cannabis industry that is inclusive? And those people who have been shut out and now are the bargaining chips in the horse trading that's going on in federal legalization and aren't the ones with the deep pockets for the lobbyists to say, no, 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 we have to make sure this makes it into our legislation. So this is the kind of part of my practice that I love because no one pays me to do it, so no one can control my words, right? And I'm gonna be there on record and what I'm seeing now is with branding, some of the most powerful branding I'm seeing is around those people and those brands that are really taking stands. And I also want to warn everyone to go beyond the 140 characters of Twitter and go beyond the press releases because you'll see that there's big money out there and this big money is saying, look, we have an expungement clinic. That's great. Expungement is necessary for any and all legislation. But does it go further? Are you actually encouraging the legislature to look at real social and economic uh, justice issues. When, what I mean by economic justice issues is, is there a path for ownership in this new cannabis industry for communities that have been historically sh been shut out of or are imprisoned on account of cannabis? So that's number one. Is part of that taxation being taken out and reinvested into those communities that have suffered the hardest? Right? And these are, so it's really important. There's, so, there's a ton of money to be made. Don't worry about that, the money will come. But I'm, I'm really encouraging people, and back to your branding question, when brands are starting to take on the social and economic justice aspect of this, and really are in there with the legislative communities and saying, no, we need this, we need to fight for this, instead of being in the room and saying, well, I don't think that's really gonna work and undermining all of those efforts. We need to hold people accountable and these, this big money that's coming in, hold it accountable. And don't stop asking, where's your money going? Who are you paying? Where do you stand on this issue? That is the best branding that can be done right now. That's what I have well, to say about you. that. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of brands, Will, I, I direct this next to you if you'd educate us a bit about the Ojai philosophy and. Also speak to how uh, having athletes, celebrities, and, and members of the entertainment community on your board have impacted your brand's growth. Awesome. Uh, you. Uh, so, 
Yes, to everyone. Uh, it's critical, and I think with this plan in particular, uh, it, it, it literally has been with us through every iteration of, of, for millennia of different situations, and it's been a relatively might short but <clears throat> detrimental uh, and deadly period of systemic racism policy driven by big business out of fear of essentially what happened with, with William Randolph first beyond the lumber industry uh, at that point there was not an efficient means of making paper from hemp that could compete with lumber and in the 1936 the US Department of Agriculture figured out how to do it and so they partnered up with Aslinger Pond, and they said, how can we take something that's been part of, for millennia, culture's commonality, ubiquitous, and, and make it illegal, and, and, and it, it, it as well, um, essentially, uh, focused on racism and fear, and, and, and used that to create the best propaganda campaign and media campaign I think ever really pulled. Um, and, and so uh, the, the impetus, so with this plant in particular, she, I, I believe she, it's a feminine energy uh, primarily, uh, and, and she's the plant of abundance. And so she's also a warrior if you're looking at plant medicine. And she, will, and she stings people and she, if, if you're doing it out of integrity. So I think there's a, there's a beautiful kind of mechanism and we're gonna see that to address. A lot of these people who are jumping in and all they're caring about is the bottom line. Uh, it's not the essence of, and, 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 and it's not going to sustain. Uh, but we, it, it's, it's crucial to be vigilant and to take action, like you're saying, to, to, to ensure that, that, that the right groundwork is being laid in this emerging economy uh, and, and next iteration of her coming back into the scene. Um, so, so I founded the company as a, a public benefit corporation. Uh, the impetus for, for starting it was I was looking for high CBD. Uh, and I thought I had to get it at a dispensary. I Googled it and saw it was on Amazon. And I was like, it's a CBD on Amazon. This is 2015. And, and I ordered it and it showed up in my mailbox. And I was like, this is crazy. So I did some due diligence and, and there was a loophole of stock and stem from non-domestic ground cannabis at that point. That's what the, the origins of the CBD side of the industry. And so, but, I, but it was filled with heavy metals. It was imported from China. There was no C of A. I couldn't figure out what I was taking. And so I was searching for something that I felt comfortable uh, putting in my body that was grown in integrity and with, with, with uh, clean and transparent. And it wasn't there. So that was the impetus of starting the company. And simultaneously, uh, I wanted to create a vehicle because we're, I believe we're living right now in a renaissance of consciousness. There's, we've got more uh, convergence of edge and multiple different paradigms coming together than ever before through the internet and, and, and I believe we've hit a critical mass and, and, and so everyone is beginning to wake up and hunger for this next iteration of symbiosis as opposed to parasitic consciousness uh, and it's vital for us to continue to live and, and I believe it's inevitable if we, if we continue the path that we're on to do properly. Uh, but we need to stay vigilant, right? And, 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 and have fun. <laughs> right? Uh, but the, so, so that was, so it was created as a public, so I wanted to basically, th there's all these amazing ideas and visions that people are having right now, yet there, there was, uh, I, I wanted to create a vehicle that would be beyond just uh, economics, but to also generate economic flow, because money is energy, um, to then be able to pipeline that into systemic vehicles for change and uh, symbiotic uh, iterations of the next 
level that everyone is collectively, not everyone, but the majority, I believe, at this point, at least in, the, in their unconscious, is dreaming of. Um, yeah. But we got to take responsibility for the image and the messaging that 100%. we want to see. And, 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 and to hear people talking about the, 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 the necessity and, the, and the, the hypocrisy of people coming in based on a artificial, systemic uh, racism that's made up that, that has specifically generated money by incarcerating individuals of no risk to generate slave labor, essentially. Uh, yeah. Right? And, and to so many are now, this very people who were f pushing for that are now seeing the economic drive uh, and, and, and wanting to get it. But at the same time, because of the internet, we live in such a fascinating time where we can now counteract that and be extremely Absolutely. pointed. Uh, and so it's vital, right? And so that's, uh, and, 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 and so part of it, from the beginning, get, getting into this, I was aware of that. And uh, so we're, when I find the right group, and it sounds like you're sitting next to me potentially, um, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, pipeline uh, capital that we generate specifically to go to uh, criminal justice for people incarcerated, uh, particularly people of color, uh, for cannabis crimes. Because I do not think that, it is, as you said in your flow, it's, it is not, it's just the right thing and it's, it's, it's vital to actually come forth and go into the next symbiotic state. We can't move forward until you that. Can, absolutely not. And you done. can't change something unless you accept it exists. And right. I, and I, and that's where the, the, people are, it, it seems like we're going backwards, yet I believe we're just moving on a spiral and it's going from being hidden to going out into the surface. And so it's, it's, it's just when you, like when you start a detox, it, the, the toxins are buried deep within, but as you start to get healthier, they start to move to the surface, but it becomes louder and, it, and you feel it more and you think you're getting sick, but in fact, you're actually moving towards health. Uh, and so now is, is more than ever we must be vigilant because it, it's dangerous, right? But it's in the surface, but it's actually treatable. It's not like, like what, what's, what we're seeing in, in, in this realm and geopolitical scope right now. It's not, this stuff has been there for people of color. Like it's not like it's, it, you know, it, it, and everyone, socioeconomic warfare on every level from, we, we are at a, a transitionary point, right? But, but it's not that it, it, it that it's new, it's that it's become, people are becoming aware of it and it's coming to the surface, which means we now is the time to act and address it. Uh, and, and so through media and, and, and through proper uh, business that is designed for, so our court, like in, in the founding documents, of, we were, I believe we're the first public benefit corporation uh, in the hemp and cannabis space. And so in the core charter, uh, we wrote that, that, that we are bound legally to uh, be of service of all life, including the planet, through every project, venture, pathway that we take, uh, period. And so I believe that that is the future model of where people to, to we will not uh, make a decision based on, we, we're not legally bound if we went public, but I'm not gonna, we're probably gonna do an ESOP. But anyways, uh, <laughs> the, uh, we can make a decision based on social and environmental wellness, not based on profit. And I think that, that by, by, by people are choosing those companies over other things for the right reasons and for the companies who don't get it, the market will force them to get it. And, right. and, and so that's where... But I, I think to that point, it's worth... Like, I think we need a Manhattan Project for this shit. Yes. You know, like, I think we need to get all the right people. And this is maybe a piece of it, this right? Is like, this is yeah. the beginning of that. But 
my fear is that we'll have like the Tom's shoes of cannabis. <laughs> you know, like I'm in. Yes, and, and so that's where a lot of people here that are from like the creative world, and you know, I agree. To, and, to your point, like, we we made this bed. Like it was Bernays, and it was like media and advertising for the powers that be that created the situation. So we have to own up to that. Well, that's we have our to, responsibility. That's what we're, yeah. but, but it's also, you know, we can create some industry guidelines that, you know, people have to abide by, which is not greenwashing. Yes. In both, or like, 100%. you know, both of the bad ways. And, uh, and I believe that, that just the people who are making, through art and entertainment is, is the way, to, one of the key ways to to drive that culture and to bring awareness to it and then keep the pressure on it because you're yeah. gonna get greenwashing, yet people are getting more intelligent and through proper media and influence, yeah. you can you can drive the consumer to dig deeper and people are, are digging deeper more than ever before, right. especially millennials, but every, uh, at every generation. Yeah, well that's a uh, that's perfect segue to my next question. Uh, Lola, as someone who is the operator and owner of a media outlet, you know, taking responsibility for the imagery and the stories you want to be told, when did you first realize that opportunity for Stone Fox? And what are your goals with the imagery that you're creating? Um, well, we started Stone Fox, honestly, it was simply out of passion for the art our, the, our creating, um, how we create, and cannabis is, I'm a novice smoker, I'm a firm believer, um, pretty much what everybody's saying, cannabis to us really truly is, it's a teacher, it's a healer, it's a lover, and it's without bias. And that is our foundation. Um, and for us, it wasn't really just an opportunity, it felt like a social and ethical awakening. And it, we have a chance now to like, you know, shape shift our fashion culture, like just how we consume. And um, so it was just, it, that was really exciting. And I think um, the overall idea to create what we were creating came with not really but like finding an identity with uh, cannabis media that was out there. Um, a lot of it really tends, like cannabis culture tends to lead more towards a stoner identity and we wanted to create something that was inclusive. More fa high fashion and not, it's not really even just about fashion. I mean, it's beyond that, and we're mm -hmm. gonna get there. It's just that's where we started with what we had. Sure. Um, but no, it's about just um, it's about opening up the conversation and making people curious because yeah. we want people to get curious about cannabis and all of its healing benefits because that's it's an it's an awakening. I mean, people need to know we've been it's been made legal. All of the drugs that have made been that have been made legal are actually the healers right. and the FDA is out here pumping us with all these drugs that are turning us into zombies, killing us, doing all of these things and now we have, this is a people's revolution and we can't let them take that from us. Well said. And they can't. It's about being they visible, it's about inclusion and, and representation. TK, I wanted to ask you earlier, you mentioned Rihanna and Willie Nelson, two very <laughs> long time and public uh, supporters. You, a new ambassador to the plant, can you share your thoughts on uh, folks with the profile being able to speak towards the, this end of prohibition? Um, first, let me just say yes, 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 four yeses for everything that's being said up here right now. Um, I think that I like the idea of people being vocal for the legalization of marijuana, but um, I like to see the other side of the conversation where uh, we address like the dichotomy between people who legally sell and grow and those from marginalized communities that have records for 
selling and growing something that's legal now. Um, Proposition uh, 64, you guys find uh, Proposition 64 in California, they have provision that uh, people can seek to have their records expunged. Um, but uh, San Francisco uh, district attorney has said that he was going to cause a, have an automatic expungement for people that had uh, marijuana misdemeanors and looking to reducing sentences for people that had nonviolent drug offenses. Uh, if people don't know, it's a costly and timely process to have your record expunged. So in my opinion, <laughs> these people just need to have their records expunged automatically. Uh, the first six months, um, my mom lives in Nevada, so it's the reason why I know all this. But the first six months uh, in Nevada that we became legalized, uh, the state made $30 million in taxes. That's crazy, first six months. So the government's finally figuring out how that they can profit off of it, and at the same time, they're profiting off the prison system, keeping people that have records for non-violent drug offenses for less than an ounce of cannabis. There's people in jail, this is a reality. So I think that when people support the cannabis, I, I think that we need to have these conversations. That's why I love to hear and have, agree with everything that everybody had to say because I feel like that conversation is not prevalent enough. So when people do support it, I would like to hear more conversations like this. Yeah. And it's also really quick, it's also more than just being expunged for cannabis because even when they put you out and it's still, say it's still on your record, the system is set up to fail. It's set up to fail. So if you miss your parole or anything like that, I mean, it's just Cash bail. You're, getting, you're getting back, you're being put back in jail for literally never needing to be there in the first place. So it's it's just keeps going on. And it's just so good. Until we bring up each other together and educate and have the ammunition to make policy change, right? It's like our goal is to reverse the stigma that has taken 80 plus years of effect and how do we get to welcome communities who have not only been persecuted but also alienated because of this plan. I think again that's the, the responsibility falls on not only ourselves and the members of our communities respected to whatever industry we participate but in sharing this information to the general public so that we can also now be empowered when we leave here to know the differences of the stories that we're talking about and the things that we're, that we're sharing. Um, if I could just say one yeah. more thing about that. Everyone in this room is some kind of cannabis ambassador. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So having a critical view into this topic is so important. It is about freeing the plant. It's about freeing the prisoners who have been in prison because of the plant. And it's about freeing economic opportunities. Yap, yap, yap. Here she goes again. But to really create an inclusive industry and to really have that representation, it means ownership across the board of people, all the types of people you see here, all the types of people who are out there. And it also means ownership for people who do have criminal records for growing the plant, for servicing this industry, who may have even be have led to be some vertebrae in the backbone of the cannabis industry. None of those people can be left behind. Yes. We can clap for that. You can clap. We yeah. can clap for that. And one thing today. I want to vote. That's awesome. Can we vote for Christina? Are yeah. you running? I'm not. I'm not, but I want everyone to be really, really awake about the legislation. For example, here in New York, we have a great piece of legislation that really can set us apart. I mean, it, this is something that makes me proud to be a native New Yorker, right? We have something called the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. And this has some of the most comprehensive programming about community reinvestments acts from, from um, 
taxation, it, which will be on a grant program from those communities who say, my community needs this. Yeah. I need, my because they're in the best place to tell the revenue board what they need. It has to do with reducing all sentencing, and it has to do with, we gotta expunge these records as well, but also ownership. You need, for, or there has to be some path to ownership so that it's not just all white men dominating the industry. Well, all due respect. All due respect. There's a huge industry outside yes. of the folks who have capital to invest in cultivation. But I also like right? that we have someone here on the, this is, this is huge, that we have someone here on this board or on this panel tonight who is saying, yeah, I recognize that and this is how m my part is addressing your concerns and, and feeding into it. Everybody here, regard we all need to be part of this discussion. We're in it together. Somebody We're told me the other day the opiate crisis doesn't affect them and I had to slow down. <laughs> oh my God. Remind them that it affects all of us, whether it's in your front door hey, or not. And one note that is of importance today, uh, I was on a call with the American Herbal Products Association, and one of the things we were addressing is <clears throat> in the current iteration of the Farm Bill. Uh, I wrote an op-ed about this. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. We, we yeah. need to get so for those of you who don't know, the, uh, the, the Farm Bill in 2014, um, it actually... All right, we're gonna get. We're not gonna go down the CBD rabbit hole. I actually charge for that. I'm gonna give you um, a 90 but seconds. But in any timer. in any event, in the 2018 farm bill, there is this this legitimization for industrial hemp. There is a small caveat to that that says, hey, by the way, if you've ever been convicted of some kind of drug felony, you are not allowed to participate in this industry. Meanwhile, if you've gone and you've committed some kind of crime, if you've killed someone, if you've raped someone, if you've done a really heinous act, go ahead, come on in, um, process and, and cultivate. But if you have a drug offense, or sorry, a drug conviction, felony. Uh, fe felony, thank you, a drug felony on your record, you're out, can't participate. And, and, and so, and additionally, they're gonna be amending the U.S. Uh, like a, a, a different act that will not be up for review until 2023. And so the the issue is, is and like behind, essentially directly from, and it's beautiful to see, you've got Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer smiling and laughing about coming together to pass a bill to grow hemp everywhere. And, and, there's, and there's, it's, a, it's a catalytic plan. And that, that is progress to see uh, people coming together from both sides and, and enjoy. Uh, now, that that was not there until Senator Brassley came in. And so essentially, like, they call it the sausage-making process because it's gross, but there's, there's certain things that, uh, uh, essentially from McConnell's office and Schumer's, they're saying that, that they, they cannot, if they want to pass it, they will not be able to pass it without that. Piece. And so we, we've come out and, and people are like, well, we don't even think it's going to make a difference. And, and, and so we made a vote. And I said, no, it's, it's vital that we at least take a stand and come out and raise the alarm bells if we cannot change it. And, and this needs to be a concession. But it, it, if, and, and essentially they're saying that they, they're, they're going to pass it. Uh, so what we need to do is now apply public pressure through every channel of influence and through media and through culture to point. Because they're literally stating that someone uh, cannot farm a vegetable and own a business that's going to be treated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture because of a past drug crime that they've already paid their due. I mean, that, that is a slippery slope, and it, 
and 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 if and especially with this planet and the and with, with the historical nature of the uh, prosecution of people of color, particularly, and that was what was used to to make it illegal in the first place was racism. Uh, it, 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 it's it, we need to jump on it, even if it doesn't change in this first iteration, it, it, like now. And so, Absolutely. different channels, uh, wherever you have that reach, it's it's vital to reach out. Did you want to jump in yes. before I move yeah, along? Definitely before we move on, I want to speak to both of those things. So one of the first things is it's patently absurd that someone who has experience yeah, exactly. doing this thing is like suddenly not allowed to do it and someone else isn't, <laughs> right? Yeah. What's going on there? But the other thing is what if we, you know, again, got, had some sort of Manhattan Project for this and got together and said, okay, if you're gonna go and make money doing this, you've gotta have a certain proportion of formerly incarcerated people, not only on your staff, but have, holding stock. You know, and ownership. ownership, ownership, and we can get there. You know, and I, I don't know, you know, what the answers are going to be, but I think it takes the getting a few of the right people together and coming up with proximate goals. You know, like what is the first thing that we should be looking out to do that everybody can agree upon, and then what's the next thing? And just keep pushing up that ladder until we have a group of like a cartel, you know, of of cannabis companies that want to go about this the right way, because yes. it's not about what you buy, it's about what you buy into. You know, and so I think our consumers are already on the same page. You know, and, and I think even the biggest companies in the world fundamentally understand this. Um, but the problem is we're very busy. We don't have a lot of time to actually do the needful and do the digging into what's going on. It's why we have public policy. It's why we have regulations and it's why we self-regulate sometimes. And so I think this is on us as people either in the media or the creative fields or in the cannabis space to actually be saying like, okay, I know we're really busy. I know there's so many things to do. I know there's so many investors to talk to. And, but let's get together. Let's put aside one, you know, let's start with one week of the year. Get together, go to a place. He can organize it. He's great with this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and we'll get the laptops out and actually sketch something out. And get some experts involved. Yeah, I want to. Be I, there. I was going to say. I think. A, I think a number of the, those folks may be in in the room with us now, uh, and I know that we we might want to leave some of this for for questions. So I'm going to try to run through a few topics that I want to kind of cover before we have to open it up to to the to the room for some questions. Uh, about two weeks ago, a company called Constellation, who is the owner of Corrupt, can I get the question out? All right. Uh, I feel like you have something that you want to react to. Uh, I'm just interested in knowing just very briefly, because I want to try to get through some of these last questions without sticking on too long. What do you guys feel like the impact of alcohol and the alcohol media, depending specifically how it dominates our culture here in America, how is that going to change as these brands and this money starts to come into the cannabis industry? Yeah. Can I jump? Yeah, jump. so I think especially with cannabis, right? We've got, an, if, if we look at, so I studied uh, permaculture design, and permaculture design is essentially common knowledge from indigenous cultures and people who are paying attention to the natural rhythms globally, right? And it's a systems design where you, you, you work in terms with nature's rhythms as opposed to against hers to generate uh, regeneration and maximum output for minimum input in a nutshell. But it's essentially paying attention to the rhythms and, and then going in harmony with as opposed to against. Uh, and so part of that, one of the principles is the problem is the solution. So you apply that design technique. In, in, in the very problem is the seed and the solution to move it forward. And so 
looking at it from that perspective of, of okay, had we not have had the prohibition, none of us would be talking here today. It, it would be all patented, all bare, Monsanto and genetically modified. Seventy years ago, done and dusted. Right. There, there was there would be zero innovation, and there would be zero cultural uh, drive. So, so the unique. I, I believe that the plants have intelligence way more than we give, like we can comprehend. And <clears throat> I believe, basically, by her pulling it back into the root system and in the underground, and essentially generating a culture of uh, resistance and rebelliousness with integrity and intention. You <clears throat> so, like, if you look at certain places where it's still extremely illegal, you have people who are willing to put themselves and their bodies at risk to generate to give medicine. In some cases, two other people in need, and that's still happening across the, the, the world. And so we essentially it generated an underground movement and energy and ethos that is unique to anything we see on the planet. Way unlike alcohol. Exactly. And so the we're at this this fascinating kind of uh, precipice of now they need to get in because in Colorado, thirty percent of alcohol sales dropped since legalization. That's a, a lot. A lot of money. That's why Constellation put four billion in it, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, but what, what's fascinating is that this is a very unique plant, and it's a completely different. It makes people think. It makes people question. It doesn't. It doesn't just numb and tune people out. And so there's an innate mechanism in there. Plus, people like no one is going to want to go and get a Monsanto joint, right? Right? Like people, there's an innate desire. Some people might, but but majority of people want clean and organic. And people are beginning to push that forward and question and ask for that. And so in and of itself, I believe it's starting to drive and change that industry. Because the market and the culture that's existing will force it to you. Just so, by naturally the way it is. Exactly. Christina, did you want to? You were smiling so early on in the question. I've got something. Right. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Look, the dirty secret of alcohol branding is that it's the same exact molecule. Like I work in, I'm, I work with a lot of alcohol brands, and they invest millions and millions of dollars into convincing you of the notion that tequila makes you crazy and wine makes you relaxed and you know like it's it's the same thing it's the exact same thing and they've done all sorts of cool double blind studies that that actually test out this notion but it so much of our understanding of any sort of physiological chemical is our left brain sort of interpreting what's going on and post rationalizing how we feel about the whole process. And there's so much money involved in convincing you that these things are different when it's the same thing. But the funny thing is, people have this view of cannabis that it's one thing when it legitimately is lots of different things and each one of those could be branded yes. as any number of different things as well. So it's a bit weird and meta when you think about it that way, but it presents such a unique opportunity for growth uh, on an economic perspective that that's one of the, I think that is the tack to solving the civil rights problem. I love the way that you phrase it. The problem is the solution. You know, we, we have the situation where the tech companies have taken, have, have done some really amazing things. They've had ridiculous growths and secretaries are walking out with billion dollar exits because they were in, in at the right time. I don't think that'll happen again in America. Um, because now if you're a tech company that's doing something really disruptive, you'll get bought out and that's success for you. But you know, it, what the way that these companies got to where they were w won't happen to them, I think, in the same way because they uh, are on, are looking out for that. But cannabis, I think, is one of the only opportunities where you know it's it's illegal, 
and you know it has been illegal and it's been the largest cash crop more than every other cash crop in America put together despite that so you know holy shit like there's so much money going to going around that in my opinion the only brands that will succeed in the long term are the ones that have like real restorative justice baked into them from the outset and so you know if if you are involved in the cannabis business and if you are working on a startup or whatever it is, it, no matter what scale you, you are, it can't be lip service or like the whole Tom's bullshit. Um, sorry if you're here, by the way. Or to anybody wearing Tom's. Yeah, well, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Do you? No? Do it quick, okay. do it quick. I'm gonna do this quick. Okay. So yes. yeah, I- I gotta keep a timer, you gotta do it quick. Got it. Um, I totally agree with you, and we want, but that's aspirational, right? That's that's hope, and you can't you can't start or base any kind of strategy on hope, right? This is this is actual education, and so the way to do that is to actually codify it in legislation and in the rules. That's where we need it. We're, we can be. 100%. I'd say, just wanted I'd, to add that. I'd say both, right? Yes and. Like like legislative push, uh, culture push. Absolutely. Yeah. But Martin. what I'm saying is the culture push, I love that everyone's here. There's more of a culture push than there is a legislative push. Right. So how do you, how do you exactly. match up? Yes. The like you guys, I'm nobody. I'm the least interesting person on this panel. But everyone here has like a gajillion followers. So you could be like, hey, the next time you go into your dispensary, ask how they feel about this law or about this program. And people will listen to you. So that marriage of culture and questioning and education to get us there legislatively, I think that's your Manhattan Project. Right. Yes. Okay, did you okay. just jump in here and say that being super informative is being it's very interesting. Thank you. So you should have some yourself. I was going to say, yeah. way more interesting than a picture. Yeah. <laughs> She's been dying to use that line. <laughs> I have. I've actually been testing it out for like 24 hours. How did it go All right. Uh, what, how are we doing on time? We got 10 minutes? All right, so before we get to, does anybody, just by a quick show of hands, does anybody have any questions? Are there any questions in the audience? There are, okay, so before we get that, I want to uh, allow to, you guys have some closing statements or some closing thoughts if you wanted to do that. I also wanted to thank everybody for being here. Uh, there is a raffle that we're gonna give away some items on the roof after, if you can sign up in the back, it's through Baker. I wanna give a shout out to Baker, I wanna give a shout out to Rico. I also wanna give a shout out to the National Diversity Inclusion of Cannabis Alliance, which is a group that he's behind. So when we're up here and we're talking about like, oh, these things, uh, well, what does that mean? Where can I follow up with some more information? There are plenty of these organizations who you can donate your time and energy to in, in making a change and a difference. Um, there are gift bags in the back. If you haven't gotten one, make sure you do before you leave. Uh, and before we open it up to questions, I'll just allow you guys to give a closing statement or thought, and, and then we can let the, the audience have at you. No pressure, yeah, you can start. No, I think just, well, for us, more or less, and I think for everybody, it's just, really identifying who you are and what you believe in and um, sticking with that no matter what. Um, this, again, I can't ex ex like say it enough. I really do feel like this is a people's revolution. We have an opportunity to literally change the way that we consume and, and just live our lives for the better. We all have the opportunity to operate at the highest level of being. And now this is a big awakening for us and cannabis truly can help that. I, 
firmly, firmly believe that. So um, I'm just grateful to be a part of this industry and, um, you know, wherever it takes us, I'm. And she's going to regale us with some of her famous DJing on the roof later, so don't miss that. I'll, I'll be on 10 to 1 for those that stay late. <laughs> Imran? Thank you so much for, for having me and for bringing us all together. I sincerely think that we are living the most exciting time that there is to be alive. You know, this man, before we started, gave me some drops from a thing, and he's, you know, like a Willy Wonka of... Yeah, oh my, oh my are in all of your gift bags, by me the way. Elon all my products are, are in all the bags. It's just, you know, I, since I think that I'm the luckiest person I've ever met because I just think, you know, I, I couldn't have imagined being here. And someone please take a picture so I can show my mom. Has <laughs> anybody? I told you. Yeah, we got it. You know? okay. uh, but but genuinely, I really think this is how we're going to do this: is by creating these little pockets of change that you know. And I don't want us to leave feeling good about what happened tonight unless we've got some action items and next steps, and yeah. you meet some people that are going to you're going to work with. And and uh, so I certainly have some my work cut out for me. Um, and email me at imranadvice.com if you want to connect. Thank you. Well, yeah, uh, it's uh, truly beyond words exciting. Like what we are, we're experiencing a movement and, and an unfolding uh, really not seen before because now we live on a more interconnected planet than, than ever, uh, at least through physical technologies. Um, so I 100% I, I stand with like, mirror everything y'all are saying and like the cannabis I believe is a, one of the most important catalysts to uh, getting from a parasitic paradigm into a symbiotic one where everyone is living in a regenerative manner together with with equity uh, and, and and what I find kind of beautiful and poetic about the plan is is when you have a so we have this system every vertebrae has a system called an endocannabinoid system and it's a, it's a terrible name, but uh, the, the, uh, essentially the system's job is to regulate homeostasis, which means uh, maintaining balance and harmony with all of the separate parts as a one unit. And, and that's literally the function of this system for our body. It, 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 it's arguably the most important system because it literally has receptors in every system, including down to the mitochondrial level and cell, cell level, but it runs the show, essentially. It's the conductor for the body symphony. And we've artificially depleted this system by cutting out the micronutrients of cannabinoids that have historically been eaten by every population on the planet, minus the Inuit, for, for a period, which is interesting. But literally every culture had uh, cannabinoid regular intake for thousands of years. It's the first one of the first plants we domesticated, uh, and so we fed it as animal fodder. And and the Colorado did a, a study showing that that eggs actually of, of chickens fed hemp flour, which was common practice for millennia everywhere. Uh, the the eggs have up to one percent CBD content, which is an astounding amount of cannabinoids. So, so we've literally had these dietary intakes for millennia to feed the most important system of our body and we artificially cut it out in the 40s. And one of the ways that it maintains homeostasis is through buffering oxidative stress. And so not only do we cut out the nutrients and artificially turn off that system because we produce B vitamins in our body and our gut, but you also need to eat them. We produce cannabinoids in our body, but we also have evolved eating them. 
uh, and it's no different. So we artificially cut that off while simultaneously increased all this oxidation. Uh, and so we one, two punched ourselves. And if you look at the maps of cancers and autism and uh, diabetes and neurodegeneration, they go exactly hand in hand with what from the 40s. And, and so not all of it, but a huge chunk of it is actually nutrient deficiency, systemic nutrient deficiency. And so one of the way, what's fascinating is when you, when you put the nutrients back in, it turns the system online. And get, when you really activate the endocannabinoid system, it brings you out of being stuck in a sympathetic nervous system, which is essentially like the four Fs or fight or flight, and, and which the amygdala and other parts of the brain that, that makes people perceive things as other and threat. Uh, and, and then when you take when you have a healthy endocannabinoid system, it actually literally turns on the parasympathetic response and increases the ability for people to see things as interconnected and one with each other. And, and, and that's where you come through synergistic work through. And then also it literally increases neuron production in the corpus callosum of the brain, which bridges both hemispheres of the brain and also in, in, increases the ability to see things as uh, opportunities and working together. Uh, and, and what's fascinating, so that's happening at a cellular level and, and at a physical level in the body, but simultaneously we've got Republicans and Democrats coming together uh, and <laughs> passing a bill in, 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 in of joy. And so there's a, uh, from micro level, and once you get your internal environment or permaculture would be like ground zero online, you can't, it's, it's like you can't, help the person until you put the oxygen mask on first. So first we get ourselves into uh, health. And, and another thing that, real quick, is that uh, we've discovered like, that- Like Bill Nye. Like meets Willy Wonka and Elon Musk. Like, Will Nye. Holy shit, and, and Willy, you know? Like, Will Nye. We, gotta, we have a show, we, let's make a show. Let's make a Bill Nye weed Wesleyan show. You down? All right. Uh, Awesome. You got yeah. 30 seconds. Will. Okay, so it will. Okay, so basically, there's these studies, and they've, they've replicated in double blind. But essentially, the the uh, high CBD, low THC. But THC is vital for uh, to, have, to have part of it. You need a full spectrum of cannabinoids, not just isolate. Uh, it's the symphony, not just the trumpet section. But essentially, it will uh, trim out selectively neural networks associated with uh, traumatic stress and addiction. Addiction and traumatic stress are inherited through epigenetics as well as going, basically the negative feedback loop that you were talking about is when it, it was part of it, that essentially we, we've artificially created these negative feedback loops of trauma and cannabis, when you get the endocannabinoid system online, can actually cut those neural networks selectively out while increasing neurogenesis to repattern the brain and rewrite the consciousness to then uh, jump from uh, a, a low energy feedback loop into a symbiotic one where everyone comes together and and we're working on tech we, we we've got the technology to help accelerate that it's a miracle <laughs> christina no pressure backing that up how, how do you follow that so quickly quickly <laughs> that is the best answer on this panel this evening to matt thank you for really putting this together you're, you're welcome. really yes. you really do pull an incredible group of people together that Thank You're not going to find. Thank you, Lola, for coming yeah, to Thank you. Thank you. This is not a panel you see every day, so thank you to the both of you for putting this together. Um, I just want to remind everyone here tonight how infinitely powerful that they are. And they are now a resource for education to go out there and teach more people about cannabis, for, cannabis and what's at stake. And I want to reiterate that every legalization matter is wonderful, but 
there are some non-starters, and those non-starters ad nauseum, again, are expungement, ownership, community reinvestment. And without those three things, we shouldn't even be talking about cannabis legalization. So I'm gonna leave you with that tonight. Thank you for being TK, you started us, you might as well end us. Um, I would really like to see the stereotypical notions and antiquated associations with cannabis be eradicated. Um, there was a study done that showed black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than white people, albeit the use is equal among the races. So I think we have a lot of work in changing the perception and the way that people view cannabis. Um, and also recognizing its medicinal properties as well. Um, there's a young lady named Chelsea Leyland, and she's talked a lot about marijuana and epilepsy. Um, and I know that for some parents who are going through that, uh, cannabis has been a tremendous help to them, and it's the only thing that's helped their kids' fits and seizures. So I think we just need to change the dynamic and continue to have these conversations. And thank you for having me. And this is like a, really a learning process listening to everybody. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Say really quick with bringing up Chelsea Leland, one of the mothers, and I can't remember the son's name, but he was having over 100 seizures. Billy, thank you. And the and the the government literally took the medicine away and said she could no longer give cannabis. And she said, I'd rather watch my son live illegally than watch him die illegally. And that is what we're facing today, and we need to change it. Yeah. So we've got about time for two or three questions. So if there are any, we'll, Rico, I'll let you set it up. Should I bring you the mic? Yeah, I can do that. What's up, everybody? My name is Rico. Um, I run Baker Technologies for all of California. First off, I want to thank all of you guys on the panel uh, coming out from Los Angeles. You know, the um, it's very, very, very refreshing to get to hear you guys talk about social equity from the jump. Um, my organization, National Diversity Inclu um, and Inclusion and Cannabis Alliance, that's our goal to bridge the gap, the economic and the educational gap between the black and brown communities and the white communities. Uh, I was speaking with a couple of people this, uh, this evening. Really quick, I'm just yeah. glad you said black, brown and white because a yeah. lot of the dialogue is black and white and I think we need to change, we got to just yes. change the way we talk or else we're, we're going to just be repeating history. 100%. So um, between the three strike law and the illegal war on drugs, we've lost three generations of black and brown men. It's real, right? Um, so I really, really appreciate you guys uh, leading off the conversation with that. I just want to say how refreshing it is, especially no, Will Will's the only like white guy out there. <laughs> we but got like, a token. No, no, but, but but in reality, we've had we've had legal weed in in some form in California for 22 years, yep. and we don't have that shit. So that's how real the shit is. It's like real for me to come out here and see that. All right, and so I um, just want to thank you guys for that. And also, um, I was speaking with a couple of people tonight. So California, we're kind of like in our terrible twos in the industry. You guys are still in the womb. You guys are still kicking in the womb. So what is your plan? to make sure that some of this, some of these ideas that you have get put into legislation because I go to every city, I go to every city hall meeting, I go to all these rallies, I organize a lot of stuff through our company Baker, but it's tough. How are you guys gonna get through to the communities of color when you've had when we've had the rugs pulled out from underneath of us? Alright, so big thing, Lola, in California, uh, real quick, LA is not the second largest city in the in the nation. It's 92 cities smashed together. Yeah. So what's crazy is you know uh, the comp, um, the chronic 
the album Dr. Dre, right? Compton did not pass legalization. They're missing out on the economic boom. How are you guys gonna help out those communities? So, in, in New York, there are, are, there's a group of different organizations that all work together for legalization. And one of the main uh, organizations is Drug Policy Alliance, and they have been instrumental in this. So it is, you know,